Hello, my name is Jared Fairclough. And I'm Joe Hennis. And welcome to To Introduce Our Guest Star, a podcast for ToughPigs.com. In this show, Joe and I are taking it in turns to surprise each other with that week's guest, and this week it is my turn. Joe, you have a chance here to have a guest, to ask a few questions, have a guess. I'm very excited. That's all you know. Yeah, so the mere fact that you told me how excited you are about this guest is is a clue in itself. Um, yep. I'm the kind of person who, like, when, when uh, someone tells me, like, oh, something is going to happen in this movie, it's like, well, now all I want to do is figure out what that thing is, yeah. and half the time I figure it out, and I'm sorely disappointed. Um, yeah. So... Uh, that, uh, that already, like, in the last couple of days as we've been planning this, I've been kind of thinking of, like, well, who could it be that Jared is so excited about? And I have a couple of thoughts, um, but at first I want to narrow it down, and, and I'll start with our, our big question. Muppets, Sesame, or Henson? Uh, Muppets, but there is a little Henson in there. Oh, okay. So the person who I was thinking would not have fallen under muppets and a little henson it was muppets it would have been muppets it would have been something else okay so all right okay muppets right. a little henson a little henson a little henson yeah. okay um was this person uh is this person in muppets most wanted no oh boy okay my guess number two is completely out the window uh okay uh muppets and a little henson Oof. yes um Boy, oh boy. Uh, I, I right, have, I'm glad I've thrown you a little bit here. You've completely thrown me. Um, is this person a, a performer, a Muppet performer? No. Oof. All right. Well, I'm, I, uh, I'm, all of my guesses were completely wrong. I am 100% unprepared. Congratulations, you stumped me. Who is, who is our special guest? Would you like, well, do you want to have just a random stab in the dark? Okay, so it's not a performer. It's someone who's worked with the Muppets and a little Henson. Yep. Uh, I'm going to guess... That it's Jim Lewis, Muppet writer Jim Lewis. Incorrect. Joe, my guest today has had a career unparalleled in Hollywood. He's won an Oscar. He has a Grammy or two. He's an actor. He's a singer. He's worked with some of the biggest names in the business, including the Carpenters, Barbra Streisand, and Helen Reddy. But he's perhaps best known. Yep, you're excited. He's perhaps best known to us Muppet fans as the songwriter behind the songs from the Muppet movie and Muppet Christmas Carol. Joe, this guy wrote Rainbow Connection. Would you please welcome to, to introduce our guest star... Paul Williams. Paul Williams! I love Paul Williams! Hi, Paul. Uh, hey. hey, Paul. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Wait a minute. Just got out of the shower. I got to make sure my hair is just right. You know, this oh, is perfect. perfect. It's, Don't worry it's perfect about it. for a podcast. <laughs> perfect. You know, it's that recently electrocuted look that just works for the Muppets. What can I tell you? <laughs> it's That's right. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Paul, thank How you so guys? much for doing this. Right here, here he is. So, I mean, you know, for an old guy, it's holding up pretty good, huh? You're you're looking great, Paul. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'm I'm 80. I turned 80 last last September, and oh, I, I feel birthday. like a ti- I feel like a tired 34. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I do too, yeah. but I'm I'm maybe slightly closer to an actual 34. Just an actual 34. Yeah. Well, I I do too, but I'm only 31, so oh, probably a not a good sign. I got sober when I was 49, and so, you know, it's been 30 years since then, and it feels like a second life, so so I suppose I could say that, you know, spiritually at least, I'm 30, you know, That's right. and uh, certainly, in, certainly in a lot better shape than I was then. Well, thank you again for doing this. I'm, I've genuinely been so excited for the last couple of weeks knowing we were doing this. Well, I'm happy to be here, you know, I mean, the, the, the most 
important, loving, caring, uh, productive, fun collaboration of my career. You know, was has been with with the Hanson crew and and the Muppets, and uh, it's just uh, it's family. You know, so I'm beyond grateful to any anybody that wants to talk about about uh, the Muppets. I'm I'm right there, and this is Muppet mindset, so I I should be here. Exactly well, this right. Is, this is actually for tough pigs. Which, it is. Uh, it's for both. Yeah, it's for both sites. We're we're doing we're doing a little team up here. Oh, nicely done. Oh, very. So I have a, yes. a, a, a multi-level audience then. So. That's gotcha. right. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. all one level, just <laughs> two sides of the same coin. <laughs> it's it has, you know <laughs> it's like a, a, a you know a black belt in silly. It's all all that's required. <laughs> that's a, true. A black belt. A black it. belt in silly. I like that. I, I like feel that. like we should have named that the podcast. It's not too late. No, it's a little it's too no, late. No, it's not. You can have it. You can have it. Great. I love it. Um, I want to. I want to share for people. Who, uh, you know, the first time that you and I connected, Paul. Um, this was. Oh gosh, let me look back at my my email here. This was back in 2012. Uh, wow. A friend of mine, his name is Kevin, uh, was going to a concert of yours. And he says to me, uh, do you want me to pass a note along to Paul to see if he could, would do an interview with Tough Pigs? And I said, oh, yeah, of course. Like, what, what, are, what are the odds it'll get to him? And Kevin passed the note to somebody who passed the note to someone else who passed it along to you. And I got an email uh, from you. And I at first thought that someone was pranking me because why would Paul Williams be emailing me out of the blue? And you, you proved it was you because there was a photo attached from backstage of the Muppets at Carnegie Hall show that you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's a picture of the Muppet performers, the, their backs, with the, they've got the puppets up, they're behind, they're behind a little curtain. Um, and you were so generous with your time that you, you invited me and uh, my co-writer, uh, Ryan, to your hotel. And we all sat uh, over breakfast and we did this long interview uh, all about all of the, the amazing things that you've done with the Muppets and the Henson company. And it was just such a treat to be able to, you know, cause we've heard your, your story before. I've, I read books that you've written. I, I saw the great documentary about you still alive and, you know, we've got your life story, but to be able to really hone in on just, you know, Muppet show, Muppet movie, Emmett Otter, um, Muppet Christmas Carol letters to Santa and just, you know, yeah, to yeah, every individual yeah. song, it was fantastic. So what a treat that was. Yeah, well, it was great and good for me too. I mean, I, you know, Tough Pigs is is you know as soon as Tough Pigs was created, it became part of the family. So I, uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a pleasure to talk about all this stuff because it's the best stuff in my life. I mean, and I probably in some ways feel like everything I've written for the Muppets. It's it's all, I almost don't want to put my name on it because it just feels like it just pours out of me when it relates to these characters because because I, I know them and I love them and they feel like family. I mean, Gonzo is as real to me as as Dave Gold is. So writing for these guys or writing for for Emmett or Ma or you know, I mean, if somebody really you know crass or awful you know says something or does something around. My wife Mariana and I will turn to each other and go, "They seem nice." It's like, which is a, which is a <laughs> callback to one of my favorite moments in, in Emmett Otter. And it's just you know, those those uh, those those moments are are just baked into baked into uh, into our lives. Yeah, and very much so for us too. I mean, obviously, you know, for Jared and myself, you know, we 
we write about these these things and talk about these things on a daily basis. It's you know it's kind of our bread and butter just to talk about Muppets, but um, yeah. you know it's 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 interesting to think of it as in terms of, of family. You know, yeah, we, we're yeah. we're kind of like the third cousin twice removed, yeah, a little yeah. bit because we don't get to be there on set. We don't get to create these things, but but I I mean I don't know about you, Jared. I really do feel like I'm a I'm a part of it. You know, we get to yeah. talk to these people. We get to you know, yeah, like have I a think, real voice. I think we're really lucky because there's not a lot of giant fandoms in the world where the people you know involved in the production of these things are actually so close with the fans. Yeah. Um, like you know, you're not going to see george lucas you know doing an interview with you know a star wars fan site more than likely you're not going to see kevin feige you know doing podcasts with you know just a little marvel fan site but the muppet performers and the people behind sesame street and henson and the muppets at disney they all seem really intent on connecting with us and keeping with us yeah. um so it is nice it's nice to sort of feel like you're part of the bunch you know, I, I, the other thing that I would say is, and it's funny because this is what I've always said about, you know, the, the there's another area in my life that is a film called Phantom of the Paradise. It was 1974, and it's continued to, to grow in, 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 in uh, a lot of the people that I've worked for, with through, through the years have been fans of either Phantom of the Paradise or, or Muppets. But one of the things that I have said, like in this little town, Winnipeg, where they, you know, they, the one place that, treated Phantom of the Paradise like a monstrous hit when uh, when it was, was basically being ignored everywhere else. Uh, building on that, you know, they do a Phantom Palooza, you know, every couple of years and all. What I've told them is that there's there's a huge part of, you know, of my career that I owe to, to the devotion of, of those, those, I can't even call them fan at this point. It's, it's like friends because but, you know, what happened is nobody was paying attention to the film, so everybody that saw it loved it would tell somebody, or everybody they met, you've got to watch this film, you've got to watch this film. So the fan base grew, you know, the the the, the film was passed on from, you know, from dads to, to, to nephews and, and kids and the like. And all of a sudden, I've got somebody like Edgar, Edgar Wright, you know, who is, is a big fan of, of, of uh, Phantom of the Paradise or Bugsy Malone, whatever, some of these things. And all of a sudden, he's he's reaching out. Or Guillermo del Toro, you know, you're just finishing up the, you know, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which is, you know, hopefully going to wind up on stage. But the people that have hired me for some of the things I'm doing now, you know, are even care to hear what I'm doing or, or you know, whatever, based on based on things that have a life today because of what you guys are doing right now. So you know, it, this is this is a real full set. I just did two years on Goliath, and the producer of Goliath. I walked in his his Lawrence Trilling. I walked in his office. Billy Bob Thornton and I are friends, and Billy said, "You know, the producer wants to talk to you about a role on this, on Goliath." I walked into his office, and on his wall was a, a Phantom of the Paradise, uh, Phantom of the Paradise poster. I mean, this is my favorite meeting ever. <laughs> I, I love it. You know. <laughs> But so it's a way to kind of, you know, bounce it back at you and say that, that the attention, the tough pigs and, you know, and, and now public mindset and, and the people through the years that have, that have loved, loved the work of, you know, of the collective, the Muppet Collective, which also includes Kenny Asher and I as, you know, as the songwriters or sometimes just like Emmett Otter, just me as the songwriter. But there's just this, this, this large family of Muppet performers in the life. 
we all kind of share in the the uh, the good works you guys do by by kind of keeping it alive. You know, you're obsessed, totally unhealthy, but we love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my therapist says. <laughs> You know, it's funny, you talk about, um, you know, people who found the Phantom of the Paradise, you know, whether whether they were among the few who saw it originally or they found it much later. And, like, they're kind of part of this this little club of, uh, you know, cult fans. And um, I always felt like that was that was a really good descriptor of both Muppet fans, because there are fewer of us than there are, you know, compared to Star Wars or Marvel or whatever it is, yeah. as well as, like, the Muppets themselves. The Muppets have always been kind of like these... Um, uh, like you know, like within the world of the Muppet Show, you know, they're kind of failures at what they're doing. They're still putting on that show, but like no, kind of the nobody's coming to yeah. see it. See yeah. that again, Jared? They're kind of underdogs a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's that underdog thing, and we all kind of want to be that underdog because you get to be kind of you know king of the yeah. heap when you're an underdog. Yeah. yeah, and I think part of it is, too is is that in some of the things that 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 the Muppets have done. You know the the Jimmy Stewart. You know you know every frog. You know uh, that is Kermit the Frog. We get to see him doubt himself. I mean, it's like in in you know that the, the I'm going to go back there someday. Scene in the desert. He's off wandering and going talking to himself, going I let him down. You know, I, you know, uh, you know it's it's recreated in in uh, a couple of places in where he just so the. the I think one of the, I mean, to jump to Rainbow Connection, but, but just, and this takes us right to, to Rainbow Connection. There's uh, there's a beautiful thing that happens in the song when it starts where Kenny and I wrote ourselves into a corner. I think I've told you that story before. But Kenny and I yeah, started, Yeah, but, but I know, love hearing it, so. <laughs> why are there so many songs about, you know, so we're trying to write this great, you know, this this I Am song for Kermit. And it's really meaningful to us. This is, we want it. We want it to be as good as when you wish upon a star. That's a, that's where we've set our sights. It's kind of sitting in the in the you know the swamp on a lily pad. Turned out to be a log. Easier to hide Jim on a log. <clears throat> but but it's like you know okay what what's what's this going to be? A, what's the situation, Jim? He said, well he's what's he doing? He's got a banjo. Okay, that's he loves music and all. So we sit down to write this song. We write, why are there so many songs about rainbows? What's not? Because well, all he's got, I mean, he's got water, he's got air, he's got, you know, he's got rainbows. That's what a, fr a frog has to, you know, if, if he has a spiritual life, it's because these things appear in the sky every now and then. Why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide. Congratulations. We just wrote ourselves into a corner that denies all the magic in a rainbow. And, and what I've, I've always believed is that a, is that a problem is an opportunity to do something. You know, it's it's you know, knows a gift that we're, this is at a point where all of a sudden we're forced to do something that is perfect for Kermit. He steps away from being the, the instructor, the teacher, the guy at the podium, and he sings. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know the run. In other words, he becomes an audience member. And that moment when Kermit becomes an audience member takes all the leader, the, you know, the visible or, or uh, uh, ego-driven leader or, the, you know, that sort of veneer of respect for this character that keeps me from being able to go over and poke his shoulder and go, oh, geez, you know, all of a sudden he's right there sitting next to me in the audience. So we've been told and some choose to believe it. I know the wrong way to see Someday we'll find it. And, and it's with that we'll find it. He becomes a seeker like the rest of the audience, like you guys, like all of us. And uh, 
there's no way in the world that Kenny and I ever thought that through and, and, and decided to do it that way. You know, it just, it, it just came out of us and it was like, Jesus, that's pretty good. You know, uh, <laughs> whoever is up there doing this work, we'd like to know. We really appreciate it. And, uh, if we knew who you were, we'd put your name on it too. Life's like a movie. <laughs> so, you know, Rainbow Connection. All right, you know, you get you get told uh, that you're going to write the songs for the first Muppet movie. Rainbow Connection, in particular, what are you told when it comes to writing that? Are you told, you know, we want a song about Kermit sort of being a bit wistful and sort of hopeful, or are you just told Kermit needs to sing a song? Go. Yeah, that's it right there. You know. By the time we did it, we, I had done one of the, I'd done Emmett Otter with, uh, with Jim. And, uh, and I mean, the last thing I know anything about is what is Americana music. I mean, I just, you know, uh, so you just write for character and you write for story. And, for, and I think that, that there's enough, there's enough, uh, uh, a Muppet in my DNA, whatever that, that, that I just, I get it. I mean, I, I get the characters, I get their humor and I get their, you know, I get the sentimentality. I get the, you know, the, the hope and the, and the, you know, the, you know, there's, there's as, as huge a star as Kermit is, there's small town swamp in it, you know, a small swamp in it, you know, uh, no, it's it's interesting. I actually said to Jim, and I, I've told this. I always people say, "What's it like to work with Jim Hansen?" And the story that I always tell is that after a meeting at my house in the Hollywood Hills with Frank Oz and Jim and and uh, uh, Jerry Jewell and, and Kenny and I uh, talking about what the basic story was. It's it's a road picture how the Muppets got together. You know, whatever, la la la, and. Uh, walking Jim to his car, you know, I just said, you know, uh, Jim, we're not going to, this is a big deal. This is your first feature. We're not going to mess, mess it, uh, this up. We're, we're going to, we're not going to surprise you. I'll show you while we're working on the songs, what the ideas are, kind of where we're headed. And he said, Oh, Paul, that's okay. I'll, I'll hear him in the studio when we record. And it's like, wow. Understand that I had, you know, this was 1979, 1976. I did, I did, uh, a star's born with him. And, you know, Barbara Streisand works very differently from the way Jim did. I mean, so there was a lot of, a lot of input, a lot of solid connectedness about showing her what we were working on along the way. We'd get ideas every Monday. It seemed like we'd get ideas and, and she was spot on. I mean, it was interesting. So obviously the, the success of the film was, was, was huge. Uh, but they're very totally different. And what, what I felt about Jim was that he trusted his instincts. He trusted that the, the, the person that he asked to do the job. And, and, you know, I think Steve Whitmer talks about that, you know, that, that collaborative freedom with, you know, with, uh, you know, with Jim. And the, the, as long as it was, as long as it was true to the character, a Muppet would, would say that or a Muppet would, you know, Kermit wouldn't say that. Might might not say that or whatever, but but uh, you know so so that's you know that that's just the freedom to let the characters speak to you, let the story speak to you. You know, uh, I I tell the story of writing the first song for for because uh, uh, Disney wanted the first song to be about Scrooge, Scrooge's I Am song. I had no idea how to do that, but the character spoke to me. You know, so I just you know 
went out to the you know to a little park. I sat down with a little hand tape recorder, you know, and uh, I had read the script and I'd read the book, and it's like, you know, the okay, big amigo, whoever's up there working on this stuff. Uh, when you get an idea how to do this, let me know. And I, and I just basically, you know, and I, I again, I tell this story a lot because it, it's it's got a great lesson in it. What I did was I picked up a Lawrence Blot novel. I'm reading a, a bloody mystery while I'm supposed to be writing a Scrooge's song. And at a certain point, about three pages in, I put it down and I went, okay. Then I clicked the recorder and I went, okay, we know he's walking along. We've seen his feet. And he goes by these little characters. They're like, they seem to be colder. So it's like, just a boom, 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 Get a little tension there. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. Jesus. Wow, that's that's really good. And I'd like to tell you that I that I had sat there and went, well, he's, he's been alone all these years and everything. So that's why you know, I never thought any of that. But my unconscious you know, reached up and, and grabbed that out of all those elements. And I think the, the lesson in it for all of us is, is, is whether we're writers or, or artists or, or plumbers or whatever, you know, I mean, plumbers can be very, very, very spiritual and very creative, witness Gonzo, you know. Uh, but the fact is that, that there's great power in turning something over and trusting your unconscious and let, let your unconscious really guide you. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, I've always said I do my best work when I'm lost and it's just, and I, and that's, that's the, probably as much as I can share with anybody about how to write or how to do anything. You know, I wrote an affirmation in one of, one of the, the book you were talking about, you read gratitude and trust, the affirmation of, I don't know how to do this, but something inside me does trust that, mm-hmm. that it's inside you. God, I wow. just patted, I mean, talk about, you know, Mr. Preachy. Well, anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm curious when, when you, you know, so when you got the, um, when you got the job to do the Muppet movie, uh, you kind of had already had a story that was in place that you, you kind of had an idea of where the songs would likely go. Um, same with Emmett Otter because it came from a book. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you yeah. knew exactly where they were going to go. Um, and and definitely Christmas Carol, same reason. So when it came to letters to Santa, because I know that also came from your own pitch. So did you already know what songs? Like, did the songs kind of come first in your mind, or did you wait until there was a script and then you kind of went into songwriting mode? You know, I, I think that I went in and I pitched it with like I wrote. Uh, I wish there could be Santa Claus, and uh, I wrote. I wrote. I think a couple things and, and showed. You know, I, I, my connection at Disney at that time was with, with uh, you know, Muppet uh, uh, section of uh, what they actually call the, the Muppet subsection of, of Disney at that time was Muppet something. What was it? Muppet Studios, probably. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. There was a slightly different name, Muppet something. Muppet something. At any rate, was it the Muppets was, Holding Company? Because I know that was a thing. Exactly, Muppets Holding <laughs> yeah. Company at Disney. Yeah, which means perfect. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but you know, I was friends with Kim, uh, with uh, Kevin Frawley from years, mm-hmm. years ago, whatever. At uh, I think when he was involved in in the uh, in the parks and all. But uh, I was just lying in bed one one day, and uh, you know, with Mariana, we were going to sleep or just just gotten up or whatever. And I said, you know, I got a weird idea. I said for the Muppets. He said, what? I said, well, what if they like. 
what if they're, you know, it's it's Christmas time and they're going to go mail some stuff and, and they get to screwing around at the post office and they mess up everything and, and it, you know, letters are flying and everything and they come back home and they find some letters to Santa that, uh, that, that they didn't mean to take her out of the post office, but, you know, they were stuck in Gonzo's backpack, whatever. And there's, let's just have the story of how they try to get to, to Santa Claus to, to deliver the letters and how they fail at it, you know, except they don't. And uh, so I called, you know, I, I mean, I wrote, I think, a, a, maybe two pages and, and sent it to, to Kevin. He said, come, come on over. Uh, and I, I don't remember how, it's, if, if I had outlined anything about the songs and specifically, but I, I think I may have, I think that when, when, we presented it to the to the, the you know the, the big boss at, at uh, Disney, you know who who would greenlight a production. By then, I had written. Uh, I'm going to go back there. No, see, I'm going to go back. I had written uh, letters to. Uh, uh, I wish it could be Santa Claus. I think I'd written the post office number. Uh, uh, give it up for the folks in Grace. Some applause for the postal service. Well. Boy, they could use a little love right now, couldn't they? That's they did, true. They did. They, boy, they did pull off the uh, the uh, the vote by mail. Though, by God, they managed to under the. That's right. Bar. All yeah, thanks to yeah. your song, I think. I think they were all singing yeah, the song. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, but it was just you know, it's just the the interesting thing about about writing for for audiovisual, you know, for either movies or television or the stage, is that that you have characters you know, to be true to and you want to write you know instead of trying to write a lot of songwriters try to write a hit song for the, the show and uh, the, the way that I think succeeds is you write for you know to advance the story and if you can if you can put something in a song that you, know, that you don't need to talk about in a scene that may be the right thing to do and advance you know and what's the inner life of the character life I mean what's 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 uh, what's what's Gonzo thinking at the moment when they can't when they can't find their way to Santa's to deliver that they're going to ruin this little girl's Christmas, you know? And is the what is what does he want? He wants to be able to take care of this little girl. I wish I could be Santa Claus for just one day. I'd fill a bag with kindness and I'd give it all away. I'd make the world a better place. I'd do that if I could. I love the way it feels inside when I do something good. You know, I mean, it's just, it's the story, you know, uh, and the humor of, of uh, all of a sudden Fozzie, you know, I wish I could be Santa Claus. Imagine that, uh, although I could not fill his boots, uh, I'd look great in his hat. I love the milk and cookies, and there's one more thing I do. I try to teach the kids to be a little more like you. I mean, I that, may be, that may be my favorite song. The second or third favorite song I ever wrote for the for the Muppets, uh, because it's it just it's on their sleeve about how sweet they are and how kind you know, one size fits all you know as as the bridge says you know we know that love can fill the heart when tears begin to fall and we, we know that that love is the blessing of the season the greatest gift and yet one size fits all you know I just. You know, every now and then you write something that you go, wow, that's going to be a big Christmas song. I have never written a big Christmas song. I keep going, that's the one that's going to bounce out there and, and be a part of everybody's Christmas. No, it's just you know, someday maybe, <laughs> well, look, someday. Look, 
I'll tell you for myself, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol soundtrack is a big part of my Christmas. Same here. Oh, yeah. So, Thank you. Yeah, so yeah. Scrooge, Scrooge um, is one of my favorite Muppet songs. Um, one More Sleep Till Christmas. Even Marley and Marley I love. Thank you. Um, so, so don't worry. You've it's a big, it's big in my Christmas. It feels like Christmas, in my personal opinion, is the greatest Christmas song of all time. Like mm-hmm. if I'm ever wow. putting together a Christmas mix, it feels like Christmas is number one on there every single time. That's wow. that's the, you that's know it what? for me. You should be pub- you should be out there working my songs we, to make it feel <laughs> that's yeah that's you know and then labors of love you know and it, the thing is that. Mm-hmm that I've had things that got attention so long after I wrote them. It just, it will amaze you. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, but I'm re- really proud of, of all the songs, for, you know, for the Muppet projects. Cause they're just, they're just, you know, they're, they're part, they, they belong in a family album. And I was lucky enough to be adopted by, by, uh, by Jim Hansen. Mm-hmm. Well, you've written, you know, so many, classic songs not just for the muppets but um you know for helen reddy and the carpenters and stuff like that what is it do you think though that is making you know these songs for the muppets so everlasting like you find that you're talking about them more than you're talking about say you're me against the world or anything like that you know i i think that that what those songs have is 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 jim hansen i think that Mm -hmm. what those songs have is jim hansen I think that there that there was a way that Jim Henson made me feel, and his creations made me feel, that that just I mean it just it's it's family and it's family I have felt in my DNA. It's just you know I'm I am so touched by those characters. Uh, I feel like and I'm and I think other people are the same. I think that we feel that. Uh, you know that those the, those characters are so important to us. They're so well loved and so well known. Uh, there's something that I, what I was writing about I knew really well because I'm a monsters fan. The best part of being a songwriter is you don't have to give up your fan card. You know I can you know I, I talk about you know you know standing in a room and you know, Paul McCartney walks in a room or, or Quincy Jones. Like there's a part of me that goes. I mean I've known Quincy for. 50 years, I think, you know, but when I see Finn, Quincy Jones, I go, man, damn, it's Quincy Jones. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's time for one more selfie. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. it's where I go. I never stop being a fan. That's, um, it's something I've talked about a lot as well. Cause you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, you know, be on some Muppet sets here and there and do some interviews like this. And, and I'm always, obviously, especially those, the first, you know, five, 10 years I was working with Tough Pigs, um, always a little nervous when I got to meet these people that I considered to be huge celebrities and uh, yourself included, of course, when we first met, but you know, over time it uh, it gets a little bit easier every time, but there was always a couple of people that every time I'd see them, it made me, I I completely geek out. It made me very nervous. Uh, the two people (laughs) were always Frank Oz. I'm completely tongue tied in front of Frank Oz. I can't do it. And, you know, unfortunately, he passed away recently, but Carol Spinney, I was always very, oh, and yeah. of course, they're both the yeah. nicest guys, but I, I had a really hard time keep keeping uh, my cool around Carol and Frank. Yeah, I'm going east to break into children's television. 
well. That's right. <laughs> there, yeah, oh my God. Oh yeah. See, that's that's that level of of, of endearment of you know that, that you know that Jim would let you in on what was going on that you became an insider. You know, because the kids watching that you know wouldn't understand what what he was talking about, but there, at that moment, what, what Big Bird's sharing, but. Um, yeah, I have that same thing. I, you know, and uh, and I can go a year without talking to you know to you know to Dave Golds, you know, and uh, and when I get you know a, an email from him or, or something's coming up and we realize we're going to have a chance to do something or he does something really generous, like you know it's Michael Michael Cimino did a thing with the with the the, uh, the London Symphony, and. Uh, he had Gonzo show up and sing, I'm going to go back there someday because he was a fan. So there was, a, they did a thing with it, with the uh, screen composers and they, they gave an award to, to Charlie Fox and myself. And uh, it was a, a joint evening and we both had some people show up. The last thing I expected was Michael Cimino showed up and I, that might have been just, I, I think he was actually the music director for the evening. But who comes waltzing out but Dave and Gonzo? And that wasn't Dave and, the, and a character that he carries with him. It was Gonzo, who always seems to be followed by Dave everywhere he goes. <laughs> uh, so that, that passion for the characters and, and for the, you know, for the, the amazing Muppet, Muppet actors and, and uh, performers, Muppet performers. I can't even. It's, it's it just doesn't feel right to even say that. It's like to 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 kind of put that, you know, a, a Gonzo will be performed tonight by you know. No, no. There's Gonzo and there's Dave, you know. And I think I told the Tough Pigs in the interview. I said if I was talking to 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 Jim and you know and and Frank, and and they had Piggy and Kermit with them. There were you know there were five of us in the conversation, you know. Because Piggy would say things to me that Jim would be shocked by, and would never, <laughs> say, you know, or that Frank would be shocked by and never say, you know. Uh, it's but, true. Uh, I mean, yeah. Jim all it's used a, to a, talk about. A, uh, sorry, no. uh, Jim used to talk about how you know he would be doing interviews, and if, if he's got Kermit on his arm, you know, nobody's looking at the guy in the beard. Like you know, it's, yeah. it's all about Kermit, <laughs> and and I I feel like on a different level, it's the same for all of us because. You know, uh, you know, for Jared and I, you know, we are talking about these properties that we we love. We're writing commentaries and reviews about them, and it's never about us. It's always about the work, and mm -hmm. I think it's the same for you as well, Paul. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but especially when writing for the Muppets, it's like we all should be rightfully, you know, giving a lot of um, gratitude toward you for for creating these amazing songs. But it's the Muppets who really brought them to life, and yeah, they're exactly. the star of the show. Yeah. Yeah, and they inspire them. One more step before you know, beyond that, beyond the fact that they deliver them when they're done, they inspire them. You know, they mm -hmm. give you the opportunity Absolutely. to to let this love for who they are come through. You know, so and and the the best, you know, the, I, I, I love the songs that Kenny and I wrote. Kenny and I wrote the song, all the songs for the Muppet movie, uh, and uh, you know, the other ones I've done alone, Muppet Christmas Carol, and you know, and Emma uh, and the Light. But but the ones that Kenny wrote the music to are really really magnificent melodies and and uh, uh, but yeah it's kind of being on both sides of it it's like it's the songs you know were were performed by them and and created for them 
out of just pure fan love, I guess, or friend love. I mean, <laughs> this is this is friendship. This is not fandom. Yeah. Besides tough, yeah. you know what's really smart about tough pigs, incidentally, and fan love mindset is that tell, tell me, edge, please. They're, 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 <laughs> no, what, first of all, the name tough pigs. I mean, and choosing that as your as your your bumper sticker. It's just don't. Mm-hmm. It's like don't don't screw with us. You know. Wait a minute. We are tough pigs. You know. You want us to come yeah. out to your house? You know. It's like it's, it's, it's. There's you know. When I was a kid, and I don't even know if you'll even know who this is, but but one of the most fascinating people in the world to me, and I I was just I was I I I couldn't get enough of him. Was was a, a piano player. Became an actor who was a huge drug addict and crazy person named Oscar Levant. You know who Oscar Levant was? You may not. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. No. No. Check out Oscar Levant. Oscar Levant. If you if you look at uh, you know, uh, uh, God, what is a huge Gene Gene Kelly movie that takes place in Paris? Uh, uh, an American his, in Paris. An American in Paris, and the the mm-hmm. the, the the squinting. Smoking all the time, neurotic piano player buddy. This is Oscar Levant. Oscar Levant ah, was, gotcha. was is was brilliant, and I mean, I was like thirteen, and he had a local television show up here, and I'd watch it, and I I, I knew that what he was saying was 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 bizarre and and brilliant, and I didn't understand any of it, but I got the energy of it. And there's an energy, to, and now this is a big, huge leap. Like sometimes it's exhausting being me, but <laughs> but, 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 but but to make that leap back to at 13, how I loved Oscar Man. That part of me still loves the fact you called your show Tough Pigs. It's like don't screw with us. We'll come over there. Yeah. Don't make yeah. me come back there. You know. We yeah, we've got it, opinions, and we're not afraid to yeah. use them. You know. Exactly. Exactly. You know. And the thing is that you know that the, they are based on pure emotion so facts have nothing to do with this (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness because when because people do call us out on the fact that we sometimes we sometimes tweak the facts a little bit to fit our opinions Uh, but whatever it's our website we're gonna do whatever we want so wow there you go so can i ask you paul you talk about you know the songs from the muppet movie um can you picture that that where did that song come from? Because as if you sort of go through that thing line by line, it's just a mixture of sort of nothing <laughs> that goes together. Yeah. So talk about the creation of that song. Uh, it's it's right out of the script that you know that that they they paint this and the brilliance of it. And I don't even know if I caught that in the script when we when we wrote the song is uh, you know, is that this that it would eventually pull up in front of a in front of a, a billboard and the universe would conspire to you know make the lineups perfectly so you know that they could not would not be seen as as uh, you know as the the, the uh, you know the, the truck chasing them goes driving flying right by whatever um, okay here's I'm 80 years old right that means that in the 60s, which was the essence of the, you know, kind of the, the heart of the drug culture beginning, whatever. Uh, I was, a, uh, you know, I, I, I really dove right in and tried to do it, what everybody else was doing. And uh, they quit when they hit about 28, and I quit when I hit 49. And I'm 30 years sober, right? So, so there, is, there is this kind of 
bebop, uh, this kind of bebop, uh, hippie, uh, uh, hipster that is the yes, kind of is is the essence of the character of Doctor Teeth, you know, and uh, and and of course Floyd, you know, and and it's just, I mean, again, the song kind of comes out of who the characters are because. Uh, you know, Floyd, you know, if, if uh, Dr. Teeth is going to sing a song at that moment while they're painting this car, it's not going to be, I'm painting the car right now. It's going to go slower when, because it's gray, because it's yellow. Or if it's a red car, whatever, I know he's not going to do that. He's going to go, uh, uh, Aurora Borealis shining down on Dallas. Can you picture that? And the lesson in the song is that what you dwell on, you create. That's basically my personal philosophy, you know, a spiritual philosophy. Because I believe that what we dwell on, we create. If you sit around going, yeah, nah, you know, I'm not going to get that job. I'm not going to get that job. I'm not going to get that job. Well, you're putting that out of the universe and going, oh, it's praying to not get that job. So I can manifest something that is negative or positive. And that's what I believe. That That's all of a sudden, <laughs> turns out... <laughs> Turns out the Dr. Teeth and I are members of the same church. Because <laughs> he just, you know, uh, uh, what's the first line of the song? I'm trying to remember how it starts. Uh, anybody's lover. Anybody's Everybody's lover. Maybe nighttime, Fran. Crazy as a song. Anyway, but the heart of the song is, is in this kind of drugged, you know, uh, belief in, in these kind of, this kind of mystical powers, you know, fact is there's nothing out there you can't do. Yes. Even Santa Claus believes in you, you know, take down the wall, take down the walls, begin to behold. something begat being up and coming, be a better drummer. Can you picture that? Um, it's just, it's, it's, (laughs) it's as if they write the songs. I, it's the only way I can explain it. Um, it's like they, they get the channeled Eiffel, through now, you, through through your pen. Now, now, exactly, exactly. Now the Eiffel Tower is holding up a flower. Can you picture that? You know, uh, you know, uh, anybody that would write something like that or sing something like that, uh, well, because of the Muppets, you no longer have to, to uh, uh, experience psilocybin or mushrooms to you know to to get that. You know, the Muppets gave it you. It's like you know. It expands your. It, it's a spiritual growth, and it expands your, you know, your consciousness, uh, just by listening to the song. So the song is, I guess, kind of musical psilocybin, musical mushrooms. I love that. There you go. I love, I it. love it. Music, musical mushrooms. And I got to tell you, yeah. to, to to watch these guys uh, uh, performing live up in San Francisco, which they did. What was that like a year ago? Uh, oh, it was yeah. a couple of years ago yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pre pre pandemic uh, craziness. I, I loved it. You know, I mean, I, the sixteen late sixties was. It's funny. I'm I'm just finished working on basically two projects that take place in 1969, and and one of them is is called Freak Power, and it's it's about about Hunter Thompson's run for for sheriff in in uh, in Aspen, and it, it's all archival footage. If you get a chance, watch it. Uh, it's it's uh, really interesting because it, it it is full of footage for like uh, like the Chicago uh, Democratic Convention, you know, when everybody got beat up by the cops and all. Um, but there's all this stuff that's going on in 1969 that is still happening, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it, it's you know, it's you know not not to sit down and, and promote 
you know, the things I'm doing now, but, you know, again, the, the, the caring of the people that have heard the word and sticking to it have, have propelled it forward. You know, I mean, I just, the new, the new, uh, Portugal, the man single, I, I wrote the lyrics to, and, and, uh, if you're a Portugal, the, 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 the fan, a Portugal, the man fan, um, check it out for sure. It's just, you know, that's, I love my life and, and my life has been, has been handed to me at this point, you know, which includes 12 years at, at ASCAP, uh, has really been handed to me. You know, the, the musical opportunities that I get today, uh, were handed to me by the people that love the Muppets and, and the stuff that, that, that kept it alive through the years. It's terrific. You were talking earlier about, um, writing songs that help push the, the story along. Um, and you were interviewed recently about uh, When Love is Gone uh, from Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, I don't know how often you revisit that movie, but like, does it always like kind of sting a little bit when you get to that part of the movie and suddenly there's something missing? Like Rizzo's yeah. crying and Scrooge is crying and we don't know why. Yeah, and why is it sung at the end of the movie? You know, uh, yeah, right, well, during know, the credits. Yeah. There, I think there were... There were you know, they put it back in, and what? And it was it the DVD release, or what? It's the, you know, so so sometimes yeah, it's like in there, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you know, the, it's it's a a roll of the dice that it happened. You know, I think that that trying to do the right thing sometimes the wrong thing is done, and I think that was the case. You know, by, by Jeffrey, uh, what's his name that ran uh, ran Disney at the time. Um, the song is key to this story. It's it's key to what happened to, to Scrooge and what it cost him and why it hardened his heart. And the performance by you know by by Michael in in that in that moment is one of the most beautiful, uh, heart wrenching you know, it, you know it's him sitting there and watching, you know, Bell and, and, and the younger version of himself. Uh, having having their, their, that moment where where he has made a huge mistake and he hasn't paid attention to the young love of his wife and and she's saying you know that the love is gone you know there was a time when I was sure that you and I were truly one that our future was forever and would never come undone and we came so close to being close and though you care for me there's distance in your eyes tonight. So we're not meant to be. The love is gone. I'll tell you what I do feel a great pride in about that song is I feel great pride about, about that melody. I think it's one of the best melodies I ever wrote. And I think it's, it's uh, you know, again, it's inspired by the, by the story. It's a brilliant story. And I think that, that to have that, you know, in uh, Wizard of Oz, <clears throat> they cut or had had already decided it was out of the picture. There was no, it was decided by the head of the studio that kids would not sit still for somewhere over the rainbow, that it slowed the movie down too much. And uh, they begged, they, you know, they pleaded, they, you know, they were back and forth. And about a week before the, they, 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 you know, they wrapped the picture or, you know, before it was a lockdown on all effects, music and everything, they put the song back in. Uh, I always felt that, that that song, When Love Is Gone, uh, I didn't know that it, if it was going to be a, a big hit or not, but I, I knew that it, it was key to the picture to me. 
And uh, the roll of the dice is that the Jeffrey did what he thought Jeffrey Katzenberg, you know, Katzenberg, uh, yeah. evidently said, yeah, said, uh, no, this is going to be a better movie for the kids with, without that song. And, you know, it's uh, it, it, a choice he made. And, you know, he, he gets to be Jeffrey Katzenberg and I get to be Paul Williams. And, uh, <laughs> and I respect him for doing it. I wish that he, I wish they'd put it back. I think it's at this point. It's uh, it's it's a, a better picture with the song in. I believe you can Absolutely. now see it. Is it on Disney Plus? I think um, it's in the special features of Disney Plus. Right. So according to Brian Henson, in in that article that you were quoted in recently, Paul, um, uh, the they don't have the original film reels from that scene. They can't find them. They're they're yeah, lost somewhere yeah, in the Disney yeah. vaults. So uh, they could edit it back into the movie like it's supposed to be but the quality will will have a shift and it won't look right so on yeah. the on disney plus and on the recent blu-ray release it's only a special feature you have to kind of stop the movie go to the special feature watch the song then go back into the yeah. movie which by the way is what we yeah. do whenever we watch muppet mm-hmm. christmas Carol. yeah oh i love that thing i was gonna say if uh if anyone hasn't heard it uh meredith braun who sang that song originally in the movie um, did a re-release of it um, a couple of years ago, and it is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, she's she's just stunning in in uh, in the film, and uh, uh, yeah, it's you know you, you just have to accept things like that. You, you kind of roll with it. Um, uh, the the gift in it is that is to have the the. I wish people knew how much it meant to me to have the, the kind of of messages that I get, you know, whether it's on, on, on uh, Insta, my Instagram account, you know, which is Pauli Lama too, or, or I am Paul Williams, the, the, my Twitter account. Uh, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I do on Instagram and, and to, to get the kind of messages that I do. And, and sometimes I'll just jump on a, 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 you know, a conversation. And just read it and see people talking about how crazy they were to take that song out and how horrific it is they did that and blah blah. And I just it's really touching and really meaningful to me to to uh, to see people you know so passionate as thank very much you guys are you know so you know it's just it's just uh, it's one of the things you live with and and uh, and the gift on the other side of it is to see uh, that people are are outraged or, or really miss the song being in there. So I love that. Well, and I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, the song does still exist on blue on the Blu-ray on Disney plus on the DVD and it's on the soundtrack. We can revisit whenever we want, which speaking of which, you know, the last couple of years, this, Emmett Otter resurgence that we've had. We've been so lucky to yeah. have. And to actually get the Emmett Otter soundtrack on vinyl, which for me is like my mind completely exploded. Um, I, I will say years ago, I'm talking like 15 years ago, um, Craig Shemin from the Jim Henson Company, Jim Henson yeah, Legacy, exactly. gave yeah. me a DVD, like a burned DVD of Emmett Otter that the Henson Legacy had created that they wanted to be the DVD release, but then there were edits and they didn't use it. Uh, and he had included special features on the DVD, which weren't on the the officially released one. One of them was just a uh, like a slideshow of, of behind the scenes photos, but behind the slideshow was 
the soundtrack, all the songs in full with uh, the extra verses, with all the stuff that's at now added onto the uh, onto the the new record with um, you know the incidental music during during the talent show and like little piano riffs, things like that. And so I had recorded the whole thing off of the DVD so I could have my own version of the soundtrack, which uh, was. I love it worked well for me but it was i needed it to be in like the great quality version that that we would eventually get and of course like it's always better to share with everybody so i'm just super grateful uh, that that soundtrack exists you know what's uh, i have to uh, compliment the guys that, that managed the engineering of that because what we were able to find the only thing we could find and certainly i just found in in my my uh, i have a, a storage unit and i just found what i haven't listened to it yet but i found real real of uh of of that score and so maybe a much better quality but but the only thing we had when we released it was i had done for you know for the playback for the muppets to do the the lip sync um i had done a a mix with the voices way out way out front and the you know the piano and and the 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 whole track the instant the music behind it was way 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 down so it's like you almost couldn't hear it. You could hear it just enough to hear. I think it was maybe, maybe had a, a little a little boost in the drums or something, so that that they you know they could stay in time and sing the songs. Uh, they took that, and I mean, if you listen to that, what I what I gave them, I mean, you go, well, they can't release that. They can't. They, you're just not going to be able to fix that to make it make it sound like like it's like it's was intentionally mixed, you know, the, the right way. They pulled it off. I think it's considered where it came from. Uh, they did mm-hmm. a, a magnificent job, you know. So it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I love it. I love it. It's. I mean, <laughs> it's a Christmas classic, you know. I mean, even it's funny. Even though the songs aren't specifically about Christmas, there's something so innately Christmas about it that mm-hmm. I just completely. Yeah. I'm in yeah. love with. It's yeah. funny. I I had never seen it. I had never seen it up until a couple of years ago, and then Joe said to me, "You need to watch it. You need to watch it now." So I think I just stopped and went, all right, I'm going to watch it. It's 45 minutes, okay. And then I finished, and I think the first thing I wrote was, all right, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I love it's incredible. Jared, are you from Australia? I am. Where are you from? Yeah. Melbourne. It's, uh, yeah, oh, my God. Fantastic city. Uh, I, th- I was uh, So Amadata was probably, was well, it was, shown, it was shown the first time long before you were born. But, but uh, I wonder if it has an audience there in Australia at all. Look, quite possibly. I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but um, I'm going to run through the streets of Melbourne just with a big sign that says, watch Emmett Otter's Jug Bang Christmas. Uh, uh, I love that. Thank Emmett Otter well, you know, down under. It's going, it will at some point, we'll, we'll probably wind up down there as, as a stage musical because yes. we, we are now, we were supposed to be opening on Broadway you know, at the uh, the Nuvik Theatre with, with Emmett Otter and as, uh, as a full tilt, you know, uh, Broadway musical and, uh, COVID put an end to that. So oh. uh, at this point, at this point we're set for, uh, 2021 and I hope, and I hope that, uh, you know, they, they just moved the, the schedule back, but it's in, and it's got a couple of new songs in it, including, a, a, I wrote a song called Alice keep dreaming, which is for the ghost of Papa to sing. I don't know. Have, um, did you get a chance to see it at all, uh, Joe? When, when yeah, I was at, at, I, I went up to the Goodspeed Opera Speed. House. Yeah, I saw yeah. the Goodspeed the first the first year you guys did it because I know you did it two years in a row, and then I saw the um, uh, Fifty Four Below. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Show which which was 
advertised as well we're, we're just going to do the songs and i thought yeah. great I, I love the songs I, i'll be there and uh and then um the show was i mean paul you were there but like the show was they brought all the puppets out they they're still like they're reading they're basically reading the script it was it was a like a pared down version of read. the it entire a, play a table read basically yeah yeah with, it was with, it was so Muppets, much fun yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I and and Marilyn Sokol big, came, big which was great. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, which oh, actually, I, I had just met her a few days beforehand, and I said, "Are you going to be at the show?" And she said, "What show?" And I'm like, "Well, you got to go." And so I, I don't know if I'm going to take credit for making sure that she was there, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, maybe, she, a, maybe a little bit. Was, but yeah, yeah, and I, and I was told to introduce her to the audience as well. Thank you, man. That was very cool, Joe. Oh, of, mean, course. That you, that you, of course, of course. Yeah, you, you managed to pass that on to her. Um, you know, Michael McDonald and, and Chris Catelli wrote the, the book based on the, the show and expanded it. You know, we've, we've you know, worked on it a little bit and the like, but, but they've been great. And, you know, huge fans of the show and, and uh, Chris is, is, is directing it. So it's, it's, we're, we're, we're deep in it with, uh, with that. So, so uh, it's, it's, it's such a good I, show. It's, it's such a great adaptation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting because pro- there's certain things that will click with countries. Bugsy Malone has never been a big a, a, a big deal here in this country. But in uh, in England, it's like it's like Greece. Every kid, you know, grows grows up doing uh, Bugsy Malone at school. And it's just, you know, but, you know, so, you know, uh, you know but I, I, I spent a lot of time in in. Uh, in Australia, probably every two years, you know, one of my great friends there was was a, a iconic broadcaster named John Laws. Lawsy. Yes. Uh, and yes, uh, no, John Laws. John, John and uh, John was was a really interesting, fun, generous guy, and and we did drink in those days, you know. And that's where I would go to feel like this drinking man because I'd pick up a can of Foster's, which is about the size of a pony keg, and then go, oh my God, I'm shrinking, you know. <laughs> well, Paul, yeah. next, next time you're in Melbourne, look me up and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take you out for dinner. We'll jump, on, we'll jump on the streetcar and take it downtown and have a great dinner. I would love that, yeah, and I'm quite serious. Yes, as am I. Um, now we we're sort of probably take we've taken up a lot of your time so far. Um, before we get to the last part, though, I do want to say you were you were a guest on the Muppet Show. Yes, um, very I early on. Um, I don't even think the Muppet Show had aired yet. I know they were having trouble getting guests in that first year as well. So how did you become one of the early guests? You know what? Uh, I think Jim had seen me a bunch on the Tonight Show. I didn't. I was you know I was a time in my life when I was. Was uh, you know if you put down a couch and a and a, and a camera or a, you know I was I was as addicted to the attention I was getting as I was to the drugs that that took took over in the, in the later years till I got sober. But but uh, you know, I think that Jim was was as I understand it was attracted to the, the, the songs he liked what I wrote what I, and uh, and the humor you know so. They asked me, it was the, I think it was the first season that they asked me to do. I think I was like one of the, maybe the fifth or sixth guest on on, the, on the, the series of the first year. And, you know, I, I mean, I walked on the set and I had done one other thing that the, the uh, 
while I was in England, I also shot a Hudson Brothers. I don't know if you know who the Hudson Brothers were, but they had a, uh, uh, you know, they're great songwriters, and, and they had a, a show in uh, in London at the same time. So I went over and did the, the Hudson Brothers show, and and uh, and then I did the Muppet, you know, the Muppet show. And I think while I was on the the, uh, the Hudson Brothers show, I managed to walk into a wire, probably, and God knows what kind of shit. Actually, you know, I, I wasn't that bad in, in the seventies. The eighties were were is when when my addiction ran away with me. But I had I had walked into a wire, so I had a, a during the whole time that I was on doing the the Hudson Brothers show. They had to to hide the, uh, the this big mark on my forehead that looked Jeez. like you know, <laughs> like an L or something on my forehead, and I think that, that when I walked into the to the, uh, the, the the Muppet Show, I don't remember if it was gone or what, but for some reason we clicked around this life and humor and a the, the big mark on my forehead, which you never which you can't see in the show, but uh, but we just. We just clicked. I mean, Jim and I felt, I mean, I felt like, you know, there's not a word yet for old friends who just met. That's Jim Hansen and I and, uh, and, and everybody. I mean, and it's just, you know, the, the, uh, the Muppet performers that are, you know, that are alive today and the ones that are gone. We're just like, wow, this, this is my, this is my, my posse. I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I felt like, I felt like a Muppet. And of course they made, they made uh, two of them to look like me for, you know, for when we sang Old Fashioned Love Song in three-part harmony. Yeah. And for years, I had one of those those two uh, Muppet Paul Williamson's in my house, but but uh, he drank too, and it got awful. So we had to, we had to oh, get yeah, they, they turned to toast, those puppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, it, it was sitting in a window where the sunlight was sitting at me. Just, oh. you know, it's like grim, grim business. yeah. Wow, it's such a but great I episode loved it too. And, 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 yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say it was it was the introduction, the perfect introduction to those guys and those wonderful yeah. characters. How much time was there between meeting those guys at the Muppet Show and and then Emmett Otter, or at least getting the call about Emmett Otter? Was it were they pretty close to each other? Right, right away, right away. And wow. then uh, I think that that uh, I'm I'm remembering right away, and you know what? I'd, I'd actually have to. You know, I'm not sure of that, but I, th- I think it was almost immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when did Emma come out? Emma, Emma was like 77? Uh, well, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, December 4th, 1977. Okay, 77. So I had, at that point, uh, Stars Born had come and was out. Uh, I know I went up to uh, all that incidental music I did with my road band. I, everything, all this stuff I did with my just my road band, you know, for Emmett Otter, uh, uh, same, you know, with with so many of the projects. Uh, the incidental music we just, you know, I'd have them run run the footage, you know, and just and I'd sing to the guys what I wanted them to play, and they would play it, and then they'd play something better, or whatever. But but. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and and the the big surprise was when I, he asked me to do the Muppet movie because uh, Joe Raposa had 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 this long long career with with uh, with Jim writing. You know, it's not easy to be green. He's a great writer. You know, really got it. Really, you know, there was there was such that it was just a really solid connection between between the Muppets and, and Raposa. And uh, I was I was 
happily surprised to be asked to do the Muppet movie. And uh, and I and the, the the size of it made me want somebody to, that was really good to write the music. And that's why I asked Kenny to come in. Great. And I mean, they obviously made the perfect choice because not only were those songs for Emma Dodd are great, but it started such a great relationship that gave us all these, I mean, almost, no, I'm not going to say almost. Every song that you've written for the Muppets has been an absolute classic. Uh, so Thank I'm you. so grateful for that, and I'm so grateful for all the work that you've done for them, Paul. Well, I, you know, and, and right back at you, because, you know, you keep this, this deal going, and keep it alive, and, and keep it fun, and uh, it's, it's uh, who knows how much more of, of you know, opportunities to, to, to write for those furry pals of mine are going to come up. But, you know, I'd love to think that there's you know, something that we can we can do one more or whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just you, you look at your life and you stumble into the, some of the most amazing things you can't you couldn't have planned to, you know, to to, uh, to you. I wouldn't know how, how to plan to, to have gotten to any of those opportunities. But they've remained just milestones in my life, and when I'm not talking about the milestones of of the of the, the exception, uh, the ex, the the acceptance of the songs, I'm talking about the milestones of walking under the set, you know, knowing you're going to hang with with Gonzo and and uh, <laughs> and and the, and the gang, you know. So it's all good. It's all good. It's all Nothing great. great yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we end every podcast. Uh, Paul, with uh, the same questions. So I'm going to ask you just some rapid-fire questions. Yeah. First thing that comes to your head. Uh, question one, what is your favorite TV show? Cantaloupe. No, wait a minute. I thought you were going to ask me what my favorite food was. Uh, my favorite <laughs> ca- <laughs> my I favorite love that show, Cantaloupe. Oh, you know what? Right now I'm in the midst of this whole thing politically and, and the, whatever the way. Right now it's Rachel Maddow. I love Good Rachel Maddow. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, would you rather be able to fly or become invisible? Oh, fly. Always fly. You know, invisible, I, you know, I know how it feels to be invisible. I was an <laughs> out-of-work actor in, in Hollywood. I'd much rather be able to fly. A new kind of light surrounds us all. And if we could, we'd all be flying. I've always felt it deep inside. We're trying. We're trying. That's from a, that's from a thing I did with Michelle Colombier. Called Wings, so uh, mm. yeah, and it was before the group Wings, so a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, I just you know I'm an old skydiver. I used to there, when you throw yourself out of an airplane at twelve thousand feet, you know you feel like you're flying until you open your parachute. You don't feel like you're falling; you feel like you're flying. It's fantastic. Lovely. It's amazing. Um, is soup a food or a drink? Is what? Say again. Is soup a food or a drink? Soup's a food when you do it right. A drink. A drink. What is well, it when you do is, it wrong? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why a soup is not a drink. Because a drink, to, 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 you know, a drink can be dangerous. Soup can't. All right. Good choice. Good. Fair enough. Um, if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Uh, only if you're in the lumber business. Excellent. Um, this was asked. No, I enjoyed it though. Um, this was asked by our last guest, uh, Sesame Street puppeteer Stacy Gordon. Uh, in just a few words, what was the crux in your life that led you to where you are right now? She asked a very big question for this she rapid fire a, thing. Yeah, so we're yeah, going to get yeah, you to well, condense the answer. Okay, so like what, uh, the crux 
the crux in your life that led you to where you are right now? Um, my failure at the failure that made me available for the opportunities that come up. The fact that I'm so good at not getting the job I'm trying to get, so I'm sitting at home when the phone rings and I'm get and I get the job that I should be doing. I think that that you know my picker has not you know has has not been the best, uh, and uh, and and realism is uh, is a place you know that I visit you know uh, uh, with kind of, I put my toe in the water or whatever. But the fact is that when I didn't get the career I wanted as an actor, I got it. I, I was led to what I can do and what I love to do, and that's write songs. And that led to other opportunities to act and the like and and all. But no is a gift if you if you you know if you've got your heart set on something, and you don't get it. If you if you take the mindset that wow, so what's this? This is making me available for something. Why shouldn't it be something wonderful? If you have that mindset, there's a pretty good chance that eventually you create an energy around around your life. You know, where you, there is no you know at this point. I mean, if if the if the roof fell on me right now and I was gone while I'm talking to you, I've had an amazing life. I want another 20 years, but the fact is if, if within a minute I, it was over, I had a fantastic life. And most of it has come to me because uh, I didn't get something I wanted that would have made me unavailable. Good answer. Um, <laughs> the, the truth. I mean, it was a, well, it was a big question as well and you've you've condensed that answer nicely because i feel like we could have spoken about that for an hour yeah um and finally without knowing who it is what question would you like our next guest to answer uh your next guest should answer um do you think you're taking enough time to thank the people that have helped you get where you are beautiful that is such a great question (laughs) It's a great show. It's great to do it with you guys. Joe, it's really wow. a pleasure to see you again. Jared, fantastic. We, you know, we, Thank uh, you for we, this. We need, to, we need to hang and break bread sometime. We do, please. Um, I think this is going to sound silly, and but thank you for Rainbow Connection. And I know that sounds silly and you've done so much, but that is yeah. my favorite song of all time. Um, this is going to sound morbid, and I'll probably take it out of the podcast but, you know, when my time on this earth is gone, I've said I only want two songs played at my funeral, and one of them is Rainbow Connection. Wow. Um, because it is my absolute favorite song of all time. Okay, I have to ask, what's the other one? <laughs> the other one is You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon. <laughs> I love it, I love it. I figured I need you a fun what? one as well. That's fantastic. I promise I'll come to the funeral and I'll sing it for you if you want me to. Excellent. I mean, that, that, I kind of hope that doesn't happen, but that, that actually is, uh, you know, I, I know it won't happen at all because you're a young man, and I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, there's a, every now and then there's a shadow in the room. I go, wait a minute, not yet, not yet, get out of here. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I really, you know, I, I appreciate that, and, and Rainbow Connection is, is, you know, my wife and I were were talking about it this morning. I mentioned I was was going to be with you guys today, and talking about rainbow connection and and she said it's 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 this the song that that you that you wrote that that has gone the furthest in the, the in the, the deepest places and that you know that you maybe never suspected that you would that you would be able to, to touch people with your work and so beyond grateful and and I really appreciate that yeah